Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to the Disability After Dark feed. It's Friday, but we're not going to be doing a palsy in the pandemic episode today because I need more folks to want to sign up to do that one. And time has been weird and things are weird. So we're not doing one of those today. But a couple months ago, my friends at the Crypt Times podcast, the other show that I'm helping to produce on the Wheels on the Ground Network, finished their final episode of their of their first season of their podcast, Crypt Times, and they interviewed our my friend and our friend, and we all know who he is, he's great, our friend Ryan O'Connell, and they asked me to sit in and be a co-host of that, so I wanted to make sure that you got a chance to hear that episode, because I realized I forgot to release it, so I thought, why not just release it now? So, also on this feed... We're, I'm going to start using the feed to experiment with different kind of shows I want to do. Shows that are still under the Disability After Dark banner and, are, and on this feed. But different kind of episodes. Things about disability in the law. Things about about disability and anxiety. With a new show that I want to produce called Crippling Anxiety. Where we talk about about specifically disability and anxiety together. So many different things I want to try here, and I'm going to use the other days in the feed and just other other ways to do that that are on the feed so you don't have to subscribe to a whole new podcast, but I wanted to try stuff out. So thank you for sticking around, and I hope you enjoy this bonus episode and the final episode of Crypt Times. If you want to be a part of the Wheels on the Ground Network and you have a disability podcast idea that you want to flush out or flush out or have me work on with you to, so you can have your own show on my network, let me know. I'd love to be in touch with you. If you want to be a guest on any of these idea shows I have, email me, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. It's taking me a while to get through everything because, well, you know, we're in a pandemic and it's me running the show, but I would love to be involved in having you as a guest, working on your own show if you want to, flushing that out, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you'll, of course, hear also new episodes of The Handicast, the show that I run with my sister on this feed as well. That's Those will be coming soon, so stay tuned. A lot of stuff will be happening. Plus, of course, our regular Saturday episodes will show up too. So, so just get ready for some new content that I want to play with, and thank you for sticking around. But now... The last episode of Crypt Times with our friend Ryan O'Connell, right here on the Disability After Dark feed. Thanks, friends. Bye. Oh, yeah, not by yet. Just a reminder that uh, Ryan O'Connell's second and final season of his show special will be coming out on May 20th. I am so excited. And you may hear Ryan come back on a Disability After Dark episode soon enough so stay tuned for that but right now hear more of ryan talk about his process of writing about disability and telling disabled and queer stories and there's so much in this episode of crypt times that i really hope you enjoy it and of course after you listen go follow the crypt times podcast feed to hear nine other amazing episodes they produced over this past year so it's really really great and i hope you enjoy this one thanks friends now bye
You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. Hi, and welcome to the 10th and final episode of the first season of Crip Times. Today, we will be listening to Ryan O'Connell. Ryan is a writer, actor, and activist, as well as the creator and star of the Netflix series, Special. Kick back and laugh with your hosts, Kayla and Christina, as well as our guest host for the episode, the creator of the Wheels on the Ground podcast network and host of the Disability After Dark podcast series, Andrew Gerza. Hey everyone, welcome back to Crip Times. It is Sunday afternoon. It is a January pandemic Sunday, so we are doing what we can. This is Kayla. I'm here with Christina and the one and only Ryan O'Connell. Hi, Ryan. Hi. Every day feels like Sunday in a pandemic, don't you think? Yeah, did you see that tweet that was like, we all feel like shit because it's like every day is the Sunday scaries, but like for, for the rest of an indeterminate amount of time. I haven't seen it, but I feel it and I relate to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's real. Um, so for listeners, transcript readers who don't know you, could you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm Ryan O'Connell. Um, I have cerebral palsy. Uh, I made a show called Special on Netflix, which I wrote, created, and starred in. And, uh, yeah, season two's coming out sort of soon, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite... Is that the... good? I don't know how to introduce myself. I'm bad at this, babe. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all good. Um, you said what you need to say. Also, want to mention, we are joined by Andrew Gerza today, um, in part... Hello! Hi, Andrew. Hi. Um, so this is the cerebral palsy episode. Um, myself and Ryan and Andrew um, all have cerebral palsy, so it is a CP party on this day. Yeah, <laughs> the most gentle of parties. <laughs> I, feel, I feel honored to have been uh, included as an honorary CP party member. Come on it's in, baby. The water's warm. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> if it wasn't, my joints might like dislocate, so... Uh... I would probably stop breathing because cold is real. Cold water and CP is a dangerous game. I guess warm water is ableist. Are <laughs> you mean cold, cold water is ableist? Cold water yeah. coming into water. <laughs> it's all it's fucked it. up and we don't talk about it, but we're talking about it today. We're talking about it today. <laughs> you live in LA. What is your experience with like hot tubs going into hot tubs and like really hot water? And CP is also. It's too much. Wait, too I much love them. I'm actually, I'm actually getting a hot tub installed. I'm addicted to hot tubs. No, they actually, I'm so jealous. Wait, what? They, I'm they, so they, jealous. They Fuck soothe, right they off. soothe my muscles. They like, like, make my mu- achy muscles feel better. Yeah, me too. Is that, is that me, me three? Okay, yeah. So that's the thing. Yeah. Um, Wait, so you're getting your own hot tub that you can just like use whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, because I got a house, and so a house needs a hot tub. Do you know what I mean? I like I 
And so loving that for you. And maybe one day, <laughs> maybe one day when I have my own Netflix show, I'll get my own hot tub. But oh, yeah. I'm loving that for you, but I'm also high key hating you right now because Kayla, Christina, and I are in the throes of Canadian winter right now, which means yes. that it's fucking cold. And I want a hot tub in my house. It's okay. LA is on fire four months out of the year, and the air quality is so bad that you shouldn't go outside. So I'm sure there's some trade offs. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I felt really guilty enjoying that it's been so warm. Warm being like zero degrees Celsius here because I'm like, good for me, bad for the earth, but like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah. was plus four yesterday here and I was like this is weird yeah. but I'll take it yeah Yeah, we'll have to pay for it that's going on the credit card of experiences do you know what I mean we're charging it now but we'll pay it <laughs> off later exactly <laughs> yeah, the credit card of experiences is a new one so Ryan this is a ridiculous question but how are you it's been almost one year of doing this pandemic isolation yeah. quarantine um is anything making it suck less what makes it suck the most oh my god i mean yeah it's like herbie fully loaded i mean i've been having a really hard time i think in the last month because i felt like my brain was like okay like if biden gets elected and there's a vaccine like things will get better and then so it's like biden got elected but he is not president yet. And obviously I feel like, I don't want to be like scary Jerry, but I just feel like there's some shit brewing. It doesn't feel safe, et cetera, et cetera. So you're like, okay, this is obviously not a light switch that goes off and on, like whatever. And then the vaccines are here, but they're kind of not here and they're hard to get and blah, blah, blah. And so it's like, I'm being like emotionally blue balled where like there are things on the horizon that I'm like excited about. And it feels like it could be a dawning of a new era, but it feels very like so close yet so far away. And I don't know about you guys, but like, I don't really know how like CP and Rona get along. I'm, I'm guessing they don't get along. They, they, I'm guess- really, they don't. Yeah, I'm guessing they don't get along. They're not BFFs. No. They're not like, you know, whatever. So the anxiety of like getting coronavirus and not knowing how it will interact with my cerebral palsy is like just a new fun added layer of torture. Um, and then LA County is like the epicenter of like infectious <laughs> virus caseloads. Like they're they're estimating that one in three people in LA have had coronavirus so anyway tldr it's been weird (laughs) yeah yeah Mm -hmm. is there anything that you're like this helps right now or are you just like one terrible minute at a time working i'm a productive bitch from virgo hell so like i've been like i think like here's the thing like the world is literally like a garbage can so i feel like the way that i deal with it is i create my own world that i get lost in through my work like i'm just like wow mm-hmm. this reality is literal hell let's create a more utopian world that's like fun to spend five hours a day in so like i have just been the most productive i've ever been work-wise and so that's been really amazing and i've been really grateful to like be able to work throughout the pandemic and make an income and all that stuff so that has been like the silver linings playbook but um yeah it's like you know every day is a winding road by cheryl you know cheryl said it best you know throwback yeah show crow maybe it's a gay thing when i was growing up like show crow was my jam um strong enough was my favorite song when i was like 10 yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely it's kind of iconic for sure so uh yeah anyway so we'll see i mean i think you know the vaccine like the vaccines are going to be here sort of i don't know what's going on with canada i'm sure you guys have a gorgeous situation going on there Um, no 
if by gorgeous you mean great? No. Yeah. No. Uh, the vaccines. What have What have you guys heard? I heard today the rollout won't start till like summer, maybe September, maybe December if we're lucky. What? Yeah. I don't. Mm-hmm. Wait. Why? I don't understand. You guys have your your shit together. I don't get it. No. Trudeau's no. pretty, but he's not. No, so Doug, Doug Ford is the premier of Ontario, and they were like, okay, okay, lockdown number two, definitely stay home, but, like, choose your own adventure if you stay home. Like, we're not really sure. Um, but, like, you can go out, but you can only have five people to be out, and if you're outside, you shouldn't be outside, but you can go outside if you need to, but don't go outside if you don't have to. But wait, what are, the, what are the case numbers? Because L.A., just for reference, L.A. County has 15,000 cases a day, which is, say it with me, a lot. <laughs> Uh, you would probably feel like there was no pandemic then if you looked at Ontario's numbers. We had, what was today, three, just over 3,000 in Ontario, but I mean, we had 300 last August, so 3,000 is like a huge jump. Wow. 3,000, I would be like raw dogging the air. I'd be like literally <laughs> like at a brunch with 40 people, like literally like Caligula style. Like I, like that sounds like heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, speaking of utopia and creating new worlds I don't know how to segue I have not not, literally Kayla I was in my head trying to find a segue and that was literally the only one that I can get so like great minds think alike and uh I love love listening to you try to segue though it is is officially my favorite thing right now so keep going thank you Christina do you want to take this one yeah, sure. So uh, speaking of creating our own utopias um, through our work, um, you mentioned that you are the producer, actor, writer of your Netflix show special. Um, we created this podcast essentially to like talk about folks who are working in like arts, academia, and activism uh, and are living in like the disability mad crit sector. Um, oftentimes, like, Hollywood and film and television are kind of seen as separate from, like, the quote-unquote arts. So, like, how do you see your work um, specifically, like, impacting the broader art sector kind of outside of the confines of Hollywood and film and television? Well, I think the power of representation cannot be underestimated. Like, growing up, I never saw anyone that looked like me ever. And that kind of implicitly told me that I did not matter. So like, okay, message received, off to therapy I go. (laughs) So I think what's great about being on a place like Netflix is that uh, the platform is truly so huge. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, I mean, now I'm like dragging other places, but it's not like, you know what I mean? But it's like, like the, the reach of being on a Netflix show versus like a freeform show or whatever, like it's just like apples and oranges. So um, I feel like when it comes to like niche content, like usually we're used to like airing as a web series that like five people have access to via a DNA sample. And then it's like literally like, like IndieWire writes about it and then it gets called a day. Um, and so being able to kind of be at like the top 40 of, of platforms, yeah. you know, having my show be an Ariana Grande pop song and be able to reach the masses, I think uh, is extremely valuable. Because if I had seen a show like this, um, if I had known this kind of life was possible for me, it would have, you know, saved me a lot of years at the I Hate Myself Fair. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know. I just I just think that that's the 
power of TV and film is uh, being able to introduce people to stories and lives that they wouldn't necessarily be exposed to and creating empathy for them. And then for the people that you're exploring, it's giving them this message that, you know, that they matter and that they're important mm-hmm. and that their story deserves to be told. Mm-hmm. And representation beyond, like, inspiration porn, right? We talked earlier how you're like, my character is allowed to mess up and, like, be an asshole sometimes and not be this, like, perfect thing handled with kid gloves um which yes like about, yeah. about time for that um well yeah that's because and i also think it's because like an actual disabled person is creating it and like i've talked about this before but it's like hollywood is addicted to like you know profiting off the pain of marginalized people of like being able to like get that oscar honey like get that award season baby like we're so brave oh my god look what we did we're so good and then you like actually like look at the liner notes and you're like wow like literally no one involved in the creating the creation of this thing actually is part of the community that you're portraying like great job dot 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 Mm -hmm. um so i think i think we've moved past like oh, it's just enough that you make a movie about it or there's a TV show about it. It's like, no, 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 honey, you need to employ the people from the community that you're portraying. Like, you need to advance them, give them power, money, and jobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's your experience been like in the industry in terms of, like, hiring other marginalized folks, like having other disabled people on sets, things like that? Has, Has there been pushback or...? No, but it's, but it's, it's complicated. I mean, first of all, like... I feel, I, I'm always racked with this guilt and this feeling of like, I could do more, I could do more, I could do more, because Special is a very scrappy show with not a lot of money, and we don't have a lot of resources. And so, for example, uh, we shoot on location. We don't really build sets. Like, we, I think we had one set for season two, meaning that we're basically shooting in real houses. We're shooting in real apartments, which are, of course, spoiler, not handicapped accessible. So that already limits, you know, who we can have for crew. And I wish I had, I wish I had Ryan Murphy money and Tyler Perry money where I could just build an accessible compound where people could go and film and do whatever, whatever, but I'm not there yet. Hashtag goals. Um, but I mean, you have Ryan in your name, so maybe I one do, day you have an empire like Ryan Murphy does. I, It'll be like the O'Connell files or something. I don't know. I've heard that's all it takes, sharing a name, for sure. <laughs> um, no, but it's, uh, you know, we'll see We'll see what happens. But, um, you know, we're, sets are not designed with handicapped people or disabled people in mind. Uh, because they're like, it's like when Ali Stroker like won the uh, Tony and she couldn't even get on the fucking, she had to go another way. It's like, they never, like Tony's never imagined a disabled person winning a Tony. And again, it's, I I really don't think it's this malice of wanting to keep disabled people out. I just think that we've been pushed to the fringes of society, entrenched in systemic poverty, all these things working against us that we, they've never imagined that we would be a part of things. Well, guess what, bitch? We are. So it's, it's overwhelming because it's such a systemic problem that it like can't be solved in a single season of television. And it requires a lot of money and resources and people getting on board. Like I can't move mountains necessarily, which is ableist. Anyway, am I right? Ladies? <laughs> Let's get to the bottom of that. Okay. <laughs> um, so 
Anyway, like, yeah. this is a long-winded way of saying, like, I, I for season two, I was able to do some things that I was proud of, but I, I was also left with feeling like, okay, there's so much work to be done. Like, it's like, and it's overwhelming. It is, I'm being like very frank. Like, like it's very overwhelming because I want to do all the things. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I have to, you know what I mean? And there's just, it's such a deep rooted issue in our culture and our society. And it goes way beyond just like making sure there's a ramp on a set or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. Um, but when we talked earlier, you were really excited and all of us are really excited about your push for an inclusion of disability and sexuality on your show. Mm. And mm -hmm. I think it's so powerful. That's such a like cliche word, but it really is like, it's not, I had never seen that before. Like you said, like growing up, never. So I screamed. Yeah. I saw that in season one. Um, and maybe you could break down that scene a little bit um, when your character, also named Ryan, um, meets with a sex worker for the first time. Yeah, okay, so like, just to even like rewind the tape a little bit, like when we were shopping special around, there was a bidding war uh, between like four studios that wanted to produce it and then take it out to networks, okay? And I was very, I was like a little story editor on Awkward. Like I had only been working in the business for a year. I had no power whatsoever. I was also 26 or 27. Like I had no idea what I was doing. But what I really was sure about was that I wanted this show to explore sexuality. I, I definitely, you know, wanted to push the envelope, come all over it, et cetera, et cetera. And I knew, I also knew the landscape of Hollywood was like, I knew that like CBS would be like disabled, gay, cool, like we love it, and then they would like buy and be like, wait, what? Like I like what did we just buy? Like <laughs> I don't understand. And then like we could never show his sexuality, whatever, whatever. So I I just knew that that was the road that I didn't want to go on. And I remember like certain studios actually backed out because they're like, well, if he doesn't want to go to network, then we're not interested because for some reason, even though literally no one cares about network television and they're 40 years behind, no offense, but they just are like, who cares? They still have this weird power because they weirdly have so much money yeah. still. And um, so anyway, so I was like, I'm proud of like 27 year old, like silly me that was still like, like didn't know anything, but was like, no, I don't want to go to network. Like, I really, really think this show should explore sex in a really honest way. And I want to make sure that I'm in a place that can support that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we ended up at Netflix, which literally like anything goes, which I love. Um, and it was really, really important to me that we show Ryan as a sexually viable person with desires and with agency. And um, I also wanted to destigmatize sex work, which is something that I'm very passionate about. So it was almost like killing two birds with one very woke stone. Um, and I, I, it was really important to me that the sex feels authentic, that, like, I looked at, like, girls, which really kind of portrayed straight sex as kind of messy and weird and awkward and funny and all the things. And it was, like, revolutionary to show sex in an honest way. And I was like, oh, I want to do that, but for, for gay people, because that's the same experience as well. I, sex can be you know, sexy, it can be awkward, it can be humiliating, it can be empowering all within the span of two minutes. So I really, really wanted to kind of showcase that reality. And um, shooting this scene was so weird because I, I could feel, 
Very rarely do you feel in the moment that you are setting out, you're achieving what you set out to do. Like, it's usually like, oh, I hope that fucking worked out. I'll see it mm-hmm. in the edit, you know? And that was like the scene where I was like, oh shit, this feels like something. This feels like we're tapping into an energy that we've never seen before. And it feels organic and it feels real. And um, it was a terrifying scene to shoot because, you know, I was like naked the entire time and blah, blah, blah. But honestly, from a CP perspective, the hardest part of that scene was I had to uh, get undressed, like from a suit. So I didn't know, like, I didn't know acting. I didn't know like how acting works. So I didn't realize that you like have to do a scene 40 different times. So like when you're seeing me like get out of my suit, it's not like we just did that once. And it's like, anyways, like we shot that like 40 different ways, 40 different coverage. Like we shot that, we shot that like on Brian's coverage, meaning that I wasn't even like in the shot, but I had to get undressed. Do you know what I'm saying? So like I, my CP ass was like exhausted. So by the time that I was like, (laughs) by the time that I was like naked and on the, on my back, I was like, honey, let's party. I'm at club med. Like it was like, (laughs) I, I I truly felt like I was just like, you know, like being able to like sit back and relax. I like, that was the easiest part in the world. Like getting through that like suit undressing scene was pure hell. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Or, um, it's such a small moment right before that scene, but it stood out for me. Ryan gets to, I forget the other character's name. Uh, Shay. Shay's apartment and looks up the staircase and is like, fuck. Like, doesn't say anything, but just that half-second shot uh-huh. of, like, mm-hmm. now there's stairs, too? Like, I came here to... <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, like the obstacle course to lose my virginity. It's like, yeah, here we go, yeah. the, the amazing race. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's just, like, another fucking thing. Um, well, I think disabled people make these small calculations, like, a million times a day. Of, of it. And by the way, like, I feel yeah. like I have always been so addicted to routine and structure and i feel like it's so hard with disability like what came first like the chicken or the egg kind of vibes where where it's like i live my life in such a way that like i do the same thing every day i eat the same thing every day i go to the same coffee shop every day and i wonder if that's not so much an obsession with routine as so much as a um an aversion to any kind of surprise because Mm. i don't like navigating anything that i like because i don't know what will pop up i remember when i um, went to Europe, LOL, when I was 23, like post-grad vibes. <laughs> and uh, I was just like, every day there was some kind of new troll that I had to like navigate with like, you know, a door or a key, like, like you know, whatever. Like I just, I couldn't conceptualize what was in front of me because it was all new. And I think that's when my brain has a hard time processing things a little bit. It takes me like a second to orient myself. So that was a really stressful experience. And I feel like I've set up my life in such a way where there are no surprises and it's like I know how to do every single thing. You know what I mean? I think it's a type of energy calculation that non-disabled people will never understand. It's mm-hmm. it's crypt tax is what it is. It's like you really have to think <laughs> about you really have to overthink about what is what you can do and what you're able to do and do do you have the energy and will you have the energy to do this thing. So I can only imagine for you, Ryan, like doing that scene forty times. Yeah, you had to do it, but like your poor CP body didn't doesn't know you're acting and doesn't know like <laughs> all it knows is it has to do it again. 
Uh, yeah, I, I really honestly did not. I think the hardest part of that job was just the the gruel, the, the physical, the physicality mm-hmm. of it, how grueling it was. Because like, no, that's what no one talks about when they talk about acting. But obviously, it's not that big of a deal for someone who doesn't have cerebral palsy. But like, you know, for example, like when I had to, um, I, I tripped like a couple times in the in the show, and that was like a stunt double. Obviously, they weren't going to risk this precious cargo. Um, but <laughs> I had to. I had to like get up, you know, each scene and that was really hard. Like having mm-hmm. to like get up from the ground over and over and over again. And I, the season, so season two, we, we shot four episodes and then we shut down cause of the pandemic and then we came back and you know, I stayed like physically active. Like mama, mama went on her like hour and a half, like Hillary Clinton wandering in the woods, Sandy <laughs> walks every day. Like, every like, day. like, yeah. yeah, like I needed to move my body. It felt like, it, you know, so it didn't get too stiff. Like I was really into like keeping things loose and fun and fancy free. Yeah. So I was kind of like, Oh, I've done a good job. Like keeping in shape and like, da, 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 da. And um, I went back to shooting, and it was, like, truly, like, getting hit by a Mack truck. It was, like, mm. I remember, like, the, for one of the first things we shot was this, um, was this dance that we shot over two days. And it was just me dancing for two days straight. And it was, like, crazy. I felt like I was 85 years old. Like, okay. I had, like, insane lower back pain. I had, like, it was just wild. But what I'll say, this is, like, spoilers, whatever, who cares, um, the, the, the dance was full of other disabled people. And, uh, and so whenever I was feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to have to like lie down. I'm like, I'm at, my body's on fire. This is insane. I would see other people with more severe disabilities than me who were just like trucking along. And I was like, okay, bitch, get your shit together. You're the fucking captain mm. of this team. Like put on a fucking face and go dance to fucking, you know, Rihanna, like do what you got to do. Um, but it was it was really wild though. Like I just wasn't. My body really was like shocked back into um, having to be this like productive worker bee again, and it was it was intense. And then also I'm like I'm not getting body work done because of the pandemic, and that's something that's been really kind of of a moment too because my body is like needs to get retuned like once a week for sure. Otherwise mm-hmm. things get a little scary, Jerry. And I've been in, unable to do that, and I'm kind of just doing what I can to mitigate it myself. But it's. You know, it's like a full-time job keeping this body running to the best of its ability. And um, that's been a challenging part of it, too, that I don't think people, like, really understand. Is like, I'm not, like, going to, like, Bliss Spa and getting, like, fucking, like... <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, relaxing. It's like literally someone's breaking my body and putting it back together so it can run more efficiently. Yeah. Anyway, so that was also... That's also been a hard part of the pandemic, I think. Oh, my God, totally. Have you ever done cuffing? No, but like I'm addicted and kind of want to try it. It feels very goopy. I, okay, I was so <laughs> terrified because if people don't know, it's literally a glass cup that gets lit on fire and then it's plopped on your back. And then you have these perfectly cylindrical like hickeys for a week on your back. Um, but it fixes my what life. What does it do? It fixes my life. So it's like, it's a type of body work. It's like massage, but it, rather than like someone pressing into the tissue, it like pulls the tissue up and it just like, it helps my back so much. Oh, like I feel like I feel like I could like dance for two days in a Netflix scene, like afterwards. And then I get oh, and then I get cocky because I'm like, I feel awesome and then I overdo it and then I crash. But um hmm. it's my favorite thing. Yeah. So Oh wow, I need to try that. You know, it's funny, like <laughs> getting older the rumors are true. Like your body doesn't run the way it used to and like 
I remember like I had to go do a talk in New York and I was on deadline because I was writing the first episode of season two and I, I wrote the, the pilot, the first se- the first episode, like, you know, on the airplane back to Los Angeles and I was like hunched over, like just on my little type, whatever in my airplane. I like didn't move. I was like so engrossed for like six hours and then we landed and I like looked up. My body was just like, bitch, what did you just fucking do? Like for six hours. And I, I like couldn't move. Like yeah. I literally was like mm-hmm. frozen. And then it was like, I truly was in the most excruciating pain of my life. I had to, I had all these things planned. I was like pitching a show the next day. I did all this stuff. And I had to like, just wipe the slate clean and be like, actually, like I truly hurt myself. Like my body is in such excruciating pain. Like I, I'm sorry, I can't. And that triggers so many issues with me that I, mm. that it truly, mm. I'm like, I need to deal with because like, this is like a sneak preview of what it's like to get older. And I feel like I still have this like ableist issue of like Mm. needing to be like bigger, faster, stronger. And like, I feel like people, when they see me and they think of me, they're going to think of someone who needs to like take a day off because they hurt their like body or whatever. And I'm like, no, for too long. It sounds yeah, so exactly. insane. Yeah, exactly. Well, by the way, because because like because of working, because I'm fucking sitting here working and I'm trying to like mm-hmm. do and because I had the genius idea of flying to Syracuse when I was on deadline to write the first episode of season 2 like and I just was like I can do both. You know, it was like this this total like obsessive overloading of work mm-hmm. that I'm just like that I have as an issue and like it obviously like caused problems. And then guess what? Like because of that, because I bit off more than I could chew, I had to cancel the next three days of work commitments that I had because mm-hmm. I couldn't keep it chill. But then I felt this deep amount of shame. And I think any time that I'm physically compromised is deeply, deeply triggering to me because of my CP, but also because I got hit by a car when I was 20 and I developed compartment syndrome, which was like another disability, which was very traumatizing. And it's like, I need to be okay with accepting my limitations. And I have a really hard time with that. And I feel like I fight against that all the time. I think that's also partially because in the disability community, we're not allowed to talk about our limitations. Yeah. We're supposed Mm. to. And even, even with all the work we've done in like disability justice, we're still not allowed to talk about this is the thing that stops me. And it's okay to talk about that. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to, as disabled people push through no matter what the fuck is happening to us. Yes. And, we're not allowed to say, hey, this sucks today. I mean, especially for you being such a public figure. Like, if you, if all of your, if all of your Instagram was like, my body hurts today because of CP, Hollywood would be like, what the fuck's happening with Ryan? Like, what's, what, what? Yeah, I mean, it's like exactly like I, I feel like like you think like disabled people can't do anything. Well, I'm like a I'm a showrunner. I'm an actor. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Like da da. And by the way, like luckily, like I've been so blessed like to not have chronic pain. Like by the way, this is like such a funny thing. Like every time I have like body work done by someone who's never met my body, they're literally the whole time being like, wow. Oh my God. They're like, whoa. They're like, I get to have fun with you. And I'm like, uh, and then it's like actually deeply insulting. First of all, I'm like there. I'm just like, please work on me. But they're like, wait. So like, whoa, whoa, your muscles are so tight. They're like, are you in chronic pain? I'm like, no. They're like, what? You're not? How are you functioning? Yeah. Yeah. How do you even do anything? And I'm like, honey, I'm just trying to like fucking get my work done. I'm just like, I'm here for my oil check. Like fucking just do what you got to do. Like you're making me feel really not great about myself. I swear to God, like I could put a timer to it. It happens all the time. And I'm like, honey, like, God, keep your comments to yourself. Also, like, 
I'm sorry, like, I'm not in chronic pain, hashtag blessed, but like the way that you're assessing my body right now is like deeply insulting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, sho it's, sh it's shocking what people feel. It's almost like, I guess, how like a woman would feel if she's pregnant when they're like, let me touch your body. Like, 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 mm -hmm. they're, like your baby belongs to them. People have this weird sense of entitlement over your body if you're disabled. Like they feel mm -hmm. like they can say anything. They feel like they can ask anything. And as someone who's always making mental cal calculations into like how I'm being perceived and how I'm coming off, it really blows my mind that people just have no shame and just do whatever they want and say whatever they want without any kind of mm -hmm. thinking. And it's hard because you can tell that they, not all the time, but a lot of the time you can tell they were trying to say something nice. They were trying to be empathetic. They were trying to like, get into your world and they didn't know how and that's the hardest part because yeah we can put the i could put them on blast and i could be like oh fuck you you're the worst but i'm trying so hard to be like to now be like okay why did you say that thing you just said right Let's unpack that because mm -hmm. i don't want to cancel you because that's almost worse so you feel like you have to use your platform to teach people all the time even when you're like i don't want it today i want to just be disabled and be happy but i feel like if i don't correct you you're going to keep going on with this. And how do I do that in a nice way? So you don't feel like I've done something wrong by telling you how I feel. Yeah. It's, a, it's always like, yeah, you're like, I don't want to play teacher today. I want to just like, why is the onus always on me to educate? But it like kind of is. And you kind of have to, like, I remember like at a, a Emmy event where basically like you have to like meet Emmy. The whole thing is so weird. Like you have to meet Emmy voters. It's just like a lot. Anyway, one person came up to me and was like, I had no idea you were even disabled. I had no idea. And I was like, okay. And she was saying it as a compliment. Like I should have mm. received, like I pass mm -hmm. as, which by the way, like I don't, I have a limp that's clear as day, but God bless. Um, <laughs> but like, like I'm like, actually like, LOL. Like, um, but it was like, honey, like I, that's not a compliment. I mean, I don't like the, my, the goal is to not appear as able-bodied. Like that's mm -hmm. not, but like you think you're doing a nice thing, you think this is a compliment because we live in an ableist society, so I get it. But like, you shouldn't say that. It's the thing. And did you pull her aside at this Emmy event and be like, No, because I was meeting like eighty people and I was overwhelmed <laughs> and like, there's no handbook how to deal with this shit because it's very relatable. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you know, I so I was just like, No, thank you so much. Like pose and then moving on. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? You know, but it is like, you just, you, you make note of these things because it's, it just shows how pervasive this ableism is and how it seeps into the crevices. You know what I mean? It's, uh, mm -hmm. it's wild. <laughs> we talked, um, so Ryan and I first met with like four years ago now, I think I was in LA. And over La Scala chopped salads. Get the setting right. Over People La need to know. Chopped salads. It was very important. We are in Beverly Hills. Did you? Scala. Did you? By the way, did you? Did you track the La Scala controversy that's just happened? Did no. you see that? Oh my oh, god! Yeah, so, no, you tweeted about it, right? I don't, well, I, first of all, first of all, I deleted Twitter and the ultimate, yeah. What the f WTF? I was looking for you the other day and I was like, where'd he go? I've I have transcended the space of Twitter. It's the ultimate power move. Congrats. I hate I <laughs> I hate Twitter so much. It's like like and I was like, there are so many more interesting ways for me to feel bad about myself. I need to <laughs> like exit this party that I never liked and was never having fun. And um, yeah, I've been off of it for months. I'm truly addicted. Highly recommend. Ten out of ten. But um, but La, La Scala 
underwent some backlash recently because they uh, were, were basically pitching, they were in their takeout containers, they were slipping a note to their customers saying, hey, like, we're taking the temperature, like, we're thinking of uh, throwing a New Year's Eve dinner, but, like, and then iconically, the last line was, uh, the, the last line was, be discreet and tell everyone you know, which I'm like, well, those two <laughs> things don't make sense. <laughs> But oh my God. Look, look, listen, La Scala is my church. So ultimately, oh I God. like, so here's, well, here's how I feel about that. I love how they're like, let's talk about disability. I'm like, so La Scala, let's weigh in. <laughs> um, but <laughs> give, give the readers what they want. Yeah, um, yeah. So, no, but basically like, you know, the government in, in America has left everyone high and dry with no kind of roadmap on how to deal with these things. And a lot of restaurants are closing because they have no support. So I feel like in the pandemic, there's a lot of um, misdirected anger towards the source when I'm like, we should be mad for being orphaned by this government that has forced restaurants into compromising positions mm-hmm. to have to make ends meet. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I just, but I feel like we feel so powerless because the government is like this huge entity that we can't quite grasp. So we try to throw our rage hose towards the local level. But to me, it's like very misdirected. But yeah, anyway, uh, so we were at La Scala. Okay, sorry. So that's La Scala. Yes. I, uh, I feel like it's the beginning of every like cliche magazine profile. It's like he delicately like took a bite of his La Scala salad. Um, mm-hmm. And we were talking about how Uber drivers love to ask you what's wrong with your body. Yes, <laughs> like they do. You, you call an Uber and <laughs> five stars, especially when you're alone. <laughs> Happens to me all the time. It's always men, and they're like, "Yes, what happened to you? Wait, are you okay? Let me get the. Do- are you like? I don't know if they think you're like injured slash drunk. Um, it happens all the time, and then that day, like another thing that happens, and then I think happened to us right afterwards. Like we went to. We went to Crate and Barrel. I think it was yep. Crate and Barrel. I- iconic. I- what was I? What, by the way, what were we doing there? I was like, "Here's have a fun time in LA. Here's the Crate and Barrel in Beverly Hills that I know <laughs> from Canada that you have been dying to try." I feel so, like such a bad host. <laughs> no, you were like, "Hey, what are you doing right now? I need a wine rack. Do you want to come?" And I was like, "Of course I do." Hello, Al. You to go get a wine rack with me. So this awesome. is some hardcore foreshadowing for when Ryan and I hang out. I know where we're oh going. Oh my god, yeah, so, so on brand. So it was, on brand. It was really glamorous. So we're shopping for a wine rack, and it was just so like it's people don't know what to do when there's two disabled people, like visibly disabled people together. Like the, yeah. the store person is like looking you up and down. Like, are you are you good? Like, it's very funny. Mm-hmm. To me. And I'm very Julia. Did I'm think... very Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman. I'm like, I got money to spend here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did they think you were dating? Because because you know because you're two disabled people. I'm sure somebody must have walked up to you and been like, oh, are you together? Good for you. No, I think they thought we escaped from like the disabled factory. <laughs> we needed to like we needed to like go back to our home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then the only other anecdote we can cut this. It's not important. The only other anecdote from that day is um, that you were like, do people say like, can I pray for you? And I was like, that hasn't happened to me. And then the very next day, I was walking down the street, and this woman was like. God bless, like, I'm going to pray for you, like, tries to touch you, and it's like, please mm. stop. Oh, my God, I, 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 I take full responsibility for that. It's like <laughs> I, summon, I summoned that into your life. Also, yeah. it might just be an, a regional thing. It must be an L.A. thing. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, but yeah. Yeah, I've gotten that. I've gotten that from, like, people on the street. I've gotten that from, like, an Uber driver saying, like, oh, I can heal you through my tinctures. And you're like, honey, what the... F-? People are just truly so fucking wild, it's like, 
they all need to seek treatment, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the ableism is the virus. Yes. For well, sure. is it a shirt yet? Can it be a shirt? How do we? Ryan, you know people make that a shirt. Yeah, <laughs> my God, I'm very inept, but I'm sure I can find a way to get that out there. Christina, you want to toss us another like actual question, or do we want to continue talking about salad? I mean, I could go either way. I know, right? Oh my God. And then Ryan, salad. Ryan, this is your episode. A question, or just like more salad stories? Up to you. <laughs> Um, we can do a question and then I'm sure that will turn into another salad story. Okay, cool. Um, so in kind of like other interviews and writing that you've done, you describe your relationship to your disabled identity as a process of coming out that mm-hmm. almost was more challenging for you in terms of coming out as gay. So with where you're at now in your life what is your relationship to a queer crip identity in terms of your activism and representation in the world oh my god again such a herbie fully loaded question first of all i feel like i have such anxiety because i feel like there's still so much i have to learn about disability and i feel like my brain is always being expanded in terms of disability like i just read this book called Sitting Pretty by mm. Rebecca. Oh my God, I'm blanking on her last name. Uh, I'm truly Copley, garbage. Maybe mm, no, no. Rebecca Tollefson. Yes, or yes, or yeah, something, yeah, something yeah. in that area. I'll link her and Instagram because it's really good. I I read that book um, like two months ago, and my brain just expanded. It was just like it was so. She's like smart. Like I I identify spiritually as like and intellectually as like a bimbo, and so like. <laughs> She has, a, she has, like, a literal PhD, so you're like, oh, hey, I get it. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but her book is so smart. Like, she just talks about these kind of intense subjects and ableism and blah, blah, blah. But she does it in a really succinct, thoughtful, um, easy-to-digest kind of way. And just even reading that, it was like, okay, brain expansion a little bit more, brain expansion a little bit more. So, but I think I have this anxiety because, like, I don't see myself as like an activist per se like Mm. i think like in terms of like knowing so much more about like like kayla you're an academic like you went to school for a million years like you know your shit capital s and like i don't and like i think i guess i guess if i was to say like my form of activism is through storytelling like that's the medium through which i do because like i'm a disabled person who like goes through the world with the confidence of, like, Rob Schneider in the late 90s, and I think that's, like, my own form of activism. Yeah. But, like, do you know what I mean? But I think I have this sort of, like, inadequacy or, like, imposter syndrome that, like, I don't quite Mm. have it all. Like, I don't know it all. And um, that gives me, you know, that does give me anxiety, but I also know that everyone's road is different, and there's many different kinds of forms of activism. There's something really, and I've, I've said this to you before, I think, there's something really refreshing about the fact that you don't claim to know everything and you don't come off like this this hyper knowledgeable person on everything disability because I think a, a lot of the times when it comes to disability justice we're expected to know everything right away mm-hmm. and if we don't know everything right away then we've somehow failed and what mm-hmm. I appreciate about your work and the way you position yourself is that you don't claim to know everything you're just learning and I think there's value in being a disabled person and being confident enough to say I don't know this but I'm willing to learn yeah I mean even like okay I'm gonna be like totally real so like there okay so there's something in season two 
this is like spoiler alert too. Whatever. I'm being so bad. I feel like I shouldn't say any of these things. But there, there's, there's flashbacks to Ryan as a baby, which, by the way, I'm truly addicted. Love the kid was adorable. Like it's beyond. He had CP. I'm just like dead. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well, by the way, of course, you yeah. think I'm gonna fucking hire an like LOL. But no. you know, but but by the way, CP um, actor babies don't grow on trees. Let's put it that way. It was not. It was like you know what I mean. It's not like going to the Galleria and like picking something up. So, um, anyway, he was amazing. It was all amazing. But the episode ends. I think so. Whatever. Like whatever. Like there was a moment where you know Ryan is struggling to walk, and Karen, my mom, doesn't know if he ever will, because that was so much of my parents growing up. Like they did not know what my case was going to be like. So the first three years of my life, first of all, everything was delayed. Obviously I wasn't, I wasn't reaching milestones when I should have or whatever. And so, but they they really didn't know where I would plateau. They did not know what Mm. my case was going to look like. And I thought, I always thought how, what a really intense, stressful thing not to know, you know? So anyway, the, the, at one point, Ryan does walk and he takes his first steps and it's seen as this really emotional thing. And there's this gorgeous score and Jessica knocks at Jessica knocks out of the park and it's really beautiful and it's emotional. I actually really get teary eyed, but then I think, why am I so emotional? Why is it so important that Ryan is taking his first steps? Why, why is this such a thing that we've seen of like, yes. Okay. So then let's unpack it. So then it's like, okay, so of course, like Jessica, my mom, Karen is excited to, for Ryan to walk because she knows his life just got that much more easier because we live in a world that is not um, as hospitable to wheelchair users as it is to people who can walk. So she already knows that by walking, he's going to have an easier time just baseline existing. Mm-hmm. But when we, when, but, but that's, that's fine. But when you're doing a TV show, you can't have these like subtitles of like, so just FYI, <laughs> this is, a, but like, you know what I'm saying? Wait, like, can we like, do? Can we do like a director's cut where we like break it down and I can be like, well, yeah, this disability theory says actually. <laughs> but see, but see, when I made it, when I when I wrote it and when we shot it, I I I wrote it as this really important emotional moment, which again it was. This is where it gets confusing. Like mm-hmm. again, for for the mom, it was. Mm-hmm. But now that we shot this, like you know, because of the pandemic, I wrote it like fucking a year ago and we shot it almost a year ago now i'm like oh i don't want to see you know a beautiful moment of a disabled person learning how to walk ever again because i think it's really harmful mm-hmm. and i and i think it again it's 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 ableism it it, it is just like in its in its purest form mm-hmm. and i think if you're going to show it you should question why it's so important. Like people should question why they're getting so emotional and why it's so important to them that Ryan knows how to walk. Why is that so fucking important? And they like, like, why are we not, you know, holding the world to task to make it so that's not the end goal, that people can live within the confines of their ability and not have to suffer and not, you know, be left out, not be left behind. So Wouldn't it be just as awesome to see a similar scene like in in the next show that like, tackles disability where you know little baby person gets their first wheelchair like wh- right so that's that's where I'm going so like like where like in my new show which who the fuck knows what will happen like it's much more about that and it's mm-hmm. like 
but it's a, but it's an inter- interesting thing where like I have grown now as a person, as a disabled person, where I I don't necessarily, and I'm not trying to throw my own show under the bus. Like it's such a beautiful moment, and I don't want to also undercut what Jessica did and what like the whole operation is because I I think it's beautifully done. But it's it, but it's definitely one of those moments where I'm like, oh, like like we need to challenge why this is so in like why this is so why you're getting teary eyed about seeing a disabled child learn how to walk. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like why is this so the important? mommy bloggers love those videos, like kids learning yeah. to walk, yeah. babies learning to hear, like cochlear implants and People things like that. People learning to see for the first time, and once they get like you know. The, the things in their eyes or once they have surgery to fix their eyesight or whatever. Like. And I get why they're so excited. It's because their life is going to get easier. Like, because, mm-hmm. because again, our world is not structured to support them. So, mm-hmm. but it's like, why are we trying to build, bend ourselves? Why is that the end goal? Like, mm-hmm. again, it needs to be, but like, I don't know. It's like, we it's need- so hard. And I, I agree with you. I think it's really hard and it's so nuanced. And I think, when those happen to the parents and they see their disabled child walking for the first time or they see like the disabled baby hearing or the deaf baby hearing for the first time they shouldn't be robbed of that joy of course not but i think my problem with videos like that and not the not the one that you shot but like videos we see on youtube all the time is that it's then produced for like the able gaze of concern it is it is but but my show my i mean it's not out yet but it feels like that was my, it was for that consumption. It just like shows that like mm. in my work, like I am evolving like in real time in a lot of ways. And like, That's by cool. the way, season two to me is so incredible and I'm so excited for you guys to all see it. And I really think you'll love it because I think it really, it goes there and it talk, it's just, I don't know. I'm very proud of it, but it's that one moment that I'm like, hmm, okay. Why is that in, like, why do we do that? Like, what, like, like, what is that doing? Like, is that, that's not saying we've seen that before. Like, we're not, but it's like, again, like my brain wasn't, I wasn't there yet when we made it. Mm -hmm. And now I am. So it's like, there you go. In real time, you're seeing me figure things out, which is a interesting way to be processing things. Let me tell you. Yeah. Like, oh, you want to do this in public in front of like on Netflix? Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But by the way, like, I will say like the disabled community like, you know, knock on wood because who knows what the season two reception will be, but like they've been really supportive of everything that I've done, which is amazing because sometimes you can eat your own. And um I just you like to do that a lot. Yeah. And so I just I mean but and I'm sure someone will, will eat me for breakfast, lunch and dinner, but um I've just been really and all I can do with everything I do is lead with honesty. Like mm-hmm. I just like need to be completely upfront and and, you know, I, I wouldn't even feel comfortable, like, showing that and not commenting it the way I'm talking about it now. Because it's, like, I think you, you should be allowed to just grow in real time. I think that's just, like, called being a human. You've spoken a little bit of, about reception, and I'm curious, just curious, because, like, so many of the non-disabled people that I have come across who watch your show have immediately gone to, it was so great, in the first two minutes I started crying, and it was so amazing, and I loved it, and it was so powerful, and... I get that, but I'm also like, okay, did you, like, watch it for its comedic value, or were you just 
shocked <laughs> to see a, like, a disabled person enjoying themselves. What's happening here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, I think sometimes I'm like, when, we think, when I think about the positive reception the show got, I'm like, are we just woke-proof? Can you not take down the gay disabled show? <laughs> like, <laughs> what's happening? Do you know what I mean? Because there's been some shows I've seen where I'm like, what's going on? Because that's not, yeah. Uh, but like... Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, like, it's so, but I'm sure it's so personal that you can't even tease apart, like, what you're enjoying about it. Is it because mm-hmm. of the storytelling, or is it because you're finally seeing someone that looks and acts like you? I mean, I'm sure that's just it's such a powerful feeling. It's the Paul Del Paso meme, like, why not both? Yeah, like, exactly. with the tacos, <laughs> like, that's how I feel. It was both for mm-hmm. me. Like, the fact, first of all, the fact that the first episode was called Cerebral Lalsy, I was like, I never <laughs> thought I would see that on this earth. But then the fact that there are other jokes make me laugh anyway, I'm like, this is... I thought that was so funny because Ryan and I had talked before and Ryan used that terminology with me b- before I saw it. So I saw it and I went, yeah, that's peak Ryan O'Connor. Yeah. That's, that, that tracks. Punning, punning is a disability that I would love to be cured from, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. that's, uh, I'm sorry, problematic, but I actually would like to live life pun-free, okay? I think it's been a huge detriment to my world, and, like, I would love to live without it. It's a disease. It's a disease. I share it. Maybe it's a comorbidity with cerebral palsy. I share it, too. I have the same thing. I also love alliteration really hard. Me, too. I think it's I love a alliteration. symptom. Yeah, exactly. LOL. We just come up with our own. We're like doctors. We're like, so, if you have cerebral palsy, you might experience something called... <laughs> Cunning, and it's gonna be it's gonna be really scary oh yeah you're gonna be alliterating things honey i mean it's like i wish we could do something but there's no cure and it's just is what it is you know it's your body figuring things out through your mind yeah yeah gonna have to live with that i know i have a couple of friends who have cp and we text each other it's like does this happen to you like it's like those infomercials but we're just like do you think this is a symptom <laughs> How do I get on that text chain? Yeah, oh my I, God. I will text you. I don't know. I just feel like I get so sweaty all the time. And I'm like, is this a CP thing? I don't know. Just from No, me. I don't think so. <laughs> well, but also, but also CP. But the thing about CP that is so crazy is that it really does affect everyone differently. That's the thing that I'm like, yeah. that it's like so crazy is that like someone could have CP and have experienced like none of the things that you experience. Like it's such mm-hmm. a... Like it cat it catches it catches such a wide swath of symptoms and side effects. But and I all also that love stuff. if you have CP. Like when we when I was watching the first season, like, um, you know, there were so many markers. I was like, yep, oh, yep, that's a CP thing. Like, yep, his gait is totally I can tell. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. completely. So like, I think that for the CP viewers watching, there were so many moments of like, I- I'm included here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's a lot of commonalities and just like, I, I, I think it is like the, the, I think what people can relate to regardless of like the severity of your case or whatever is the mental gymnastics you have to do to navigate the world on a daily basis. I just say I'm severely sexy all the time. So I mean. <laughs> yes, exactly. Be the, be the PR firm for CP that you wish to see in the world. That's also a it. symptom. Sexiness, really sexy. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's so bad. I mean, it's really hard. Like, it's really hard to be. To be <laughs> really, really, really That's hard. That's what they said. Oh my god, lol. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, I gotta, I got a few more questions. I, I, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then we'll have to go land all out in the rest of our Sunday afternoons. It's like dark um, out here, so it feels like nighttime. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so we talked a little bit, yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about ableism in society, and we talked a little bit about kind of, like, internalized ableism. Like, what's next for you in this, like, unlearning of internalized ableism in your life, and how do you see that um, being represented in your work moving forward? Well, internalized ableism, I like to think of like is like a poisonous gas that is like everywhere that you can't necessarily like see or smell, but it's just mm-hmm. there, and like you don't even know when you're inhaling it until you're like, mm, I feel kind of lightheaded. Weird. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, so <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily like when it's when it's a byproduct of the culture that you live in. I don't necessarily think there's a version where you're just like, I'm done. Like, no. do you know what I mean? It's like mm. it's it's. It's always going to be, for me at least, a very complicated journey. And the only thing that I can do is really just be cognizant of it and be able to, like, check myself before I wreck myself, you know? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, what we talked about earlier, like, my obsession with, like, productivity and, like, wanting... I also just feel, as a disabled person, I just feel like I'm a, I'm on this, like, time clock. Not to, like, be morbid, because I don't think I'm going to die, like early or whatever <laughs> cut to tomorrow it's like his last podcast <laughs> um, but I, I it's like but I, I just feel like I have so much I want to get done and there's so much I want to do and there's so much I want to say like I just feel like very like man on a mish and like yeah. I don't necessarily know it's so hard because I feel like cerebral palsy has gifted me with a lot of amazing like qualities in terms of being productive in terms of being kind of scrappy and being like let's fucking figure this out you know like a like macgyver vibes but like i also think like i wish i could like be kind to myself and let myself take breaks and like Mm. like you know what i mean like i'm even triggered when i like get a cold you know what i mean that's also another reason why i don't want to get corona like even if it's mild it will like wreck me for weeks because it will mean i'm like taken out for a few days like i really really we talked about like me getting injured on like the airplane being all hunched over and stuff like those those events are deeply deeply triggering because they symbolize a loss of control and i Mm. feel like so much of my energy is like, I was born into a body I could not control, so now in every other aspect of my life, I'm going to exert control where I can. And that's where I find solace. That is so a CP thing. Like, I don't know, Kayla, I don't know if you experienced that, but I, literally what you just said made me be like, oh my God, it's me, because I have to control every scintilla of what I do, because I can't control anything else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's like, but like but like in a way like that need for control has has given me a lot of amazing things but to me to me it's always a double-edged sword it's always like playing a game of whack-a-mole like Mm -hmm. it brings me a lot of gifts but it also can bring me a lot of heartache and I just don't know how to like tease those things apart I think they all come in the same package and you just have to learn how to be to deal with them and be mindful Mm -hmm. but it's like it's not again it's like never going to be a journey where like I'm going to be like, okay, like I conquered internalized ableism, crossed it off my list. Yeah. I think it's going to always be with me. And it's always really important to like, like understand, like, why am I doing this? Like, why is it important that I, you know, 
It, like, even exercising, like, I got really into exercising, like, five years ago because I never had a relationship to my body. I was very disconnected, which I think was rooted in self-loathing and denying my disability. Like, my body would call me. I would never call it back. It would text. I'd be like, get, I got a new number, XOXO. Oh, and you were that guy. I was I like, hate that guy. <laughs> well, no, I was just like, I was like, I was just like, oh, my God, LOL. No, but it was like, like, I just, like, really, I, like, felt profoundly disconnected from my body because I hated it. And I saw my body... <laughs> as something that like all I could see it for were its flaws were its deficits or whatever and then I started exercising and I felt for the first time profoundly in my body in touch with my body Mm. connected to my body which was incredible and I also was like floored by what my body could do because I feel like having CPI is just resigned to a certain level of mobility, blah, 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 blah. But by exercising and moving my body, I felt like I was conquering these things I never thought were possible. So that was really empowering. Mm -hmm. However, again, double-edged sword time. It's like, I also felt like part of me was like, the more I was working out was trying to achieve this able-bodiedness. Like Mm -hmm. if I run five Mm -hmm. miles, maybe like the CP will just magically fall off of me. So that's what I'm talking about. It's like such a tricky thing because it's not one thing. It's like, it can be both positive and negative. And because of the ableism that exists in our society, it's really hard to tell where one ends and the other begins. Does that make sense? 100%. Absolutely. One million percent. It's so relatable. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. relatable content. <laughs> ding, ding, That's ding. what I aim to give. Just 100% relatability. Chop salads. People harassing me at Emmy events. <laughs> you know, like I just really am. I'm a man of the fucking people. You know. <laughs> Or a man of the sea people, if you will. Oh, that's oh, okay. Okay, again, again, we're we're not okay. You're not okay. That's a pun. Again, punning is like check yourself. Take an ointment. Take an ointment. Like, I'll take a tincture. L O L. Yeah, exactly. I'll cure you. Uh, yeah. No, it's it's so hard because then people like people don't see the behind the scenes mental gymnastics they only see what you put out right and then they're like oh my god you're amazing like you're like so inspiring and it's like okay i'm just like trying to live and yeah (laughs) just trying to totally yeah (laughs) i know it's really bizarre and i don't think like I don't know. If you find a metaphor to make people understand, like, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Also, I think there's a certain mind fuck with having CP where you feel on both... Uh, you feel this insense, insane sense of hyper-visibility and sense of, like, wherever you go, people are going to stare at you, da 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 <laughs> And then it's met with also this hyper-invisibility. So you see people see you and then make the decision to unsee you in real time. Mm-hmm. So it's this really, really insane mindfuck contrast of being, like, walking around like you're this glow-in-the-dark sticker. And then, but then also just seeing, like, feeling like no one sees you and that you're just completely ignored. Mm-hmm. So that's fun, too. Or, like, have you ever experienced where, like, maybe you only talk to someone over the phone or in now- nowadays, like, over Zoom, and so they only see, like, your face and they don't know, and then you meet them in person and they see you, st- like, you're, or you're sitting at a chair or something and they come into the room, and then you stand mm. up and, like, stumble out the door and they're like, they, they, you can see them trying to figure it out because they're like, I didn't, I didn't, oh, oh, like. <laughs> totally, but I have a fix for that. I think you should just star in your own Netflix show and then everyone will know uh-huh. that you're disabled so then right. you don't have to deal with that ever again. Oh my so God, you why didn't work... I think of that? 
No, I, don't, I actually yeah. don't know. And I, I don't want to, like, call you out. But I just, like, I'm like, hello. It's like the, the solution is right there, Kayla. It's like, oh, hello. Hey. Kayla, let's start production on that. Can I be your co-star? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe there's someone who already has a show that could... <laughs> who? I want to kill that. Like, who? Who? What bitch? <laughs> I'm threatened. Person we know. I'm threatened. I'm like, who? I'll take him down. Um... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's weird. But, you know, it's weird, like, because, because I was closeted with my disability until I was 28, mm-hmm. um, it has been really, really crazy to go from someone who was trying to, like, push CP out of his life, like, you know, no one really knew, to just now the whole world knows. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much better on this end. And we talked about, like, last weekend when we had this pre-call about how, like, well, I was in Provincetown. I told you this story last weekend, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. now, now I'm retelling. Okay, it's for, what, but for the for listeners, the listeners. It's for the people. For the li- yeah, it's for the people. Um, the people. But uh, I was in Provincetown, and uh, which is like this gay mecca at the tip of Cape Cod. I highly recommend. It's incredible. Um, but anyway, we went to the gay beach, which like, like I was like initially triggered by because everyone like you know like when. Like, your friends are like, oh, it's, like, a little bit of a hike, but it's so worth it. And you're like, okay, a little bit of a hike for you is literally, we're climbing Mount Everest. I'm fully Reese Witherspoon and wild. Like, what do I need to do? Like, it's always, you always adjust. You know what I mean? You're always like, okay, what's happening? So, anyway, we go to the gay beach, which is, like, truly unpleasant and, like, hard to get to. And, like, I truly was like, I hate you all for doing this to me. Like, fuck you. You have no idea how hard this was. But, like, God bless. Um, We go to the gay beach. We live. We laugh. We be gay. Whatever. It's fine. And then on our way back, I, I was really tired because it's just, it's a lot of walking. It's a lot of being in fucking sand, which is just my nightmare sand trudging through. Sand is not CP friendly right? at all. I'm no. like, I'm like, wow. Like I like, well, sand came, sand came down to the earth and was like, oh, I know what I can do. I can just make walking more complicated and insane. You're like, great. Thank you Thank so you, much. Sand. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. Try rolling a 300-pound chair through it, though. Oh, That's my fun. God. Oh, my God. I mean, it's so... So we were doing that, and, like, the last stretch, we had to climb up this embankment or whatever, and it was really difficult for me because I think I was just fatigued as all fuck, and um, I couldn't really get up, and so I was, like, really struggling, and my boyfriend was having to help me up, and, again, like, this experience... I've experienced this so many times in my life where I, my CP has felt... Like, it's on display, and I'm struggling physically, and I feel deeply embarrassed, like, hot with shame, et cetera, et cetera. But, and then while this was happening, like, a gay walks by and is like, I love your show! As I'm, like, drenching, as I'm, like, drenched in sweat, like, again, like, full Reese and Wild, like, like, Les Miserables. And it was, like, this hysterical moment where I was like, you know what? Like, uh, this would, like, it, back in the day, this would embarrass me delete years off my life i would be cringing but it's like this guy saw my show you see me face plant in the first two minutes like this is just on brand you know what i mean this is like you know what i mean this is like this is like what else would i be doing other than struggling to go up an embankment you know what i mean like hello like like this is like blurred lines baby like okay (laughs) and uh and so I felt this, like, remarkable sense of, like, just peace and acceptance with myself. Because I was mm-hmm. like, all these people saw, saw, like, every person that sees my show and, like, celebrates it and accepts it is like, wow. All the years that I spent being so deeply ashamed, thinking no one would understand me, blah, 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 blah. And by the way, there are a lot of people that don't. But, like, 
having those people have that warm reception, it's just, it's so validating on such a deeper level. You know what I mean? And it's like, wow, like, it really wasn't the big monster I made it out in my brain to be, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's definitely like, please take that energy and apply it to other disabled people in your life. (laughs) Yes. Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So. Well, and also going back to you being controlling of the many aspects of your life that you can be, this show is essentially just you, your ability to broaden the reach of what you can control because you have agency out of what has been shown Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of have the control of people's perception because you don't have to explain anything in the moment. You've controlled what people know about you in a yes. much more intimate way that broader reaching than just living as Ryan in LA without a show. That's true. Putting the troll in control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the dream. That's the dream. Um, should we do our like last question now, do you think? Or yeah, unless, I, mean, I guess I'll say, Ryan, is there anything that you're, like, burning to talk about or say that we forgot? Um, no. Other than, obviously, I'm excited for all of you to see season two, and I'm just, like, obsessed, and I just hope you guys are obsessed, and, you know, I want everyone obsessed. to be excited. I know it's been gone a long time. We're very much doing the Fleabag thing, where we're gone <laughs> for two years and Listen, being like, JK. Listen, if you do the Fleabag thing with season two, like, honey, you got oh it Oh, my God. <laughs> No, so you know what? There's one fatal flaw. There's no hot priest. So, Shit. Uh, I know. No, so that's ableist. I know. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's ableist. Oh my god. You know, you know that. Uh, like, there's that podcast that I, I did. Oh, we talked. I talked about it with them, but it's called like uh, "That's So Racist" or whatever. I'm like, there needs to be like "That's So Ableist." You yeah. know what I mean? Where everything yeah. is just ableist, lol. Mm-hmm. Um, I was even like, I was talking, I was doing an interview the other day where I was like talking about how when you reach this position of power, like you want to uh, bring down the ladder and give other people a leg up and go up the ladder. And I'm like, that's an ableist fucking. I'm like, god damn it! Like, mm-hmm. like it's just everywhere. God, cancel ladders! Oh my god, Jesus cancel Christ! Ladders. Cancel fucking ladders! Uh, oh my god. Yeah. No, it's really ridiculous once you start thinking through like most metaphors in the English language are like oh I was so blind to that or like whatever it is yes. like it's I just didn't see everywhere. it coming mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's just everywhere I'm trying to decide if I think we can, I think we can wrap it up I was gonna say what's next for you but like we know we know what's next for you Maybe yeah I mean yeah season two and I sold another show accessible which I hope gets made but who the hell knows and, please, um, make please make it. It's I, so good. I yeah. Please, please, please. I hope, I hope it gets made. Um, if it does, it will be a game changer, I hope. So we'll <laughs> yeah. see. And then, uh, and then, oh, I wrote a novel and it's coming out. That's coming out like in a year because it's novels. Everything takes forever. NBD. Um, yeah, I know. No well, I'm telling you, I was really productive. I, w- I was the annoying bitch that wrote a novel during quarantine. Do you know like that meme that was like... Shakespeare over here. Yeah, it was like, yeah. Shakespeare wrote King Lear, so can you. And everyone was like, fuck you, I'm just trying to get out of bed. And I was like, actually, <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> King Lear, here we come. Um, so we, I just sold it, so I'm doing edits on that. And then... Um, 
So that's coming. I mean, that's going to take forever because novels take fucking forever because the production. So in two time. years, when the pandemic is when it's yeah, outside again, exactly. You can take your novel to the slutty gay beach and read yes. it together. Yes, yes, yes. But obviously, it's about disability because literally everything I do is about disability. Oh, actually, this is interesting to talk about. Um, when I was submitting that novel to places, um, there was uh, some feedback from publishing houses that was like. Because my character is gay and disabled in that, obviously, because I'm obsessed. In, uh, yeah, because yeah. I'm obsessed and I'm addicted, and like, who cares? Yeah. Um, and there were there were people, but it's a different story. Obviously, it's a completely different world. Blah 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 blah. Uh, and there were a few people being like, "We love this. We just think it's you know it's similar to special." And I'm like, "Okay, okay, no 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 no. Okay, like think about Sofia Coppola." Think about Noah Baumbach. Think about Spike Lee. Think about all these directors, writers that that explore similar themes over and over and over again in their work. And, like, I feel like as a gay disabled creator, it's like I have been given this one little slice to explore disability, blah, 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 blah. But, like, if I ever do it again, God forbid, I'm considered derivative of myself i'm considered mm-hmm. like and it i feel like it comes like if you're marginalized like you just check the box and it's like okay you did that like da, 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 da. and it's like no 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 like you fucking woody allen lol probably like r.i.p but he made the same fucking movie about new york over and over again over and over again and people are like yes oh my god more. and i'm like honey he made this movie what are you talking about He's like we're seeing it again and they're like, we love it! What a vision! <laughs> and, and it's like, I just feel like I need to be given the same leeway yeah, and space yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah, explore, yeah, yeah. like, these themes and, like, and it, without being seen as, you know, ripping myself out. Also, by the way, sorry that I'm making, like, this second gay disabled story that's ever... <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, the like, market is fuck. just so saturated right yeah. now. Yeah, they're like, oh, another show with a, another story with a gay disabled person at the lead. And again, it comes down to this, like, you know what it is? It's seriously this deep mentality where it's like, well, we gave you a show. What, what like, do you want? You, like, you need yeah. more? Like, we let you have that. We gave you that re- that one piece of representation that you don't will never get again, and you're supposed to ride on that for the rest of your life. It, exactly. Like, like, how dare you, like, have another? Like, that's just greedy. Like, we gave you your one show. Now, you need to calm down. And it's like, it really was shocking. And I remember, like, my book agent was just, like, so furious, and he... And he went out with a uh, a novel with a trans author that's about the trans experience, Detransition Baby. It's supposed to be incredible. My friend just finished it and said it was the best thing she's read in years. No, and my my boyfriend's reading it now is truly addicted. Mm-hmm. But he was telling me, I shouldn't fucking say whatever. It was just like certain feedback they got was like, oh, well, we already have our trans novel, or like whatever. There's this obsession with again, like where they're they're meeting a quota. It's not even the interest of like. And like, by the way, can I just say like, storytelling is storytelling. Either it's a good story or it's not. Yep. Who cares if it's this or that? But it's like mm-hmm. I just feel like there's this like, you know, this obsession with just looking like the bare minimum of woke and being like, well, we did that. It's like, no, no, if you're actually interested in like storytelling and what we have to say, it shouldn't matter that, you know, God forbid there's more than one, like fuck off. And I mean, even if it's that we've seen Bridgerton, we know what can be made out there. Okay. So like, 
It's just like, uh, it really, really made me like Steamboat Willie full of rage. And by the way, we found an amazing home and like a lot of people did, a lot of people did get it and loved it and wanted to do it. So like, it wasn't like I was, you know, left out in the cold, but it was a really kind of eye-opening experience of like that and a reminder that I'm like still not able to like take up so much space as like Mm. a straight white guy who can literally tell the same story over and over again and still be like, like give me more give me more you know what i mean like mm-hmm. straight white people kissing.com like <laughs> seriously like like and they're like yeah. you know it's like like or like another show that like humanizes cops and you're like lol <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean you're like honey like you gotta stop doing that yep. um but it's like yeah again it's this obsession with only taking up the bare minimum of space. And if you get any space at all, then you should feel lucky and grateful that that happened at all. Yeah, you, you should, like, roll over and die now in your 30s. Like, you did it. That's it. I'm obs- <laughs> I'm obs- I will be obsessed with, I think, queerness and disability till the day I die. And, like, I am just getting started. And, like, I will tell as many fucking stories as I want about that. And I will be mm-hmm. given the space to do it. And everyone else can go fuck themselves is how I feel. That's a mic drop moment right there. That's in the end. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, that's the end right there. <laughs> um, no, yeah, thank you. That's so, like, it's really also validating in a weird way to hear that, like, that every industry is like that. Like Every, every industry, yes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. academia you think, is like you think, that. You think books, you're like, books, like, okay, they're smart. Like, you know, like, the, they got there, like, with books, you know? It's yeah. not like Hollywood. Yeah. It's books. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. No, it's the same mentality. It's the same, like, checking a box. It's the same kind of, like, giving you this little crack in the doorway to slip through, but nothing more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, too, how, like, in the world of academia, which is also so ableist, it's, like, the education that can be done through, like, one well-placed meme. Christina and I were just having this conversation. Can do more work to change people's minds than, like, a dissertation. A whole thesis. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's fascinating, but that's the world we live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. I have a, um, this great, like, mentor, Gray Berlanti, who's, like, this producer and showrunner, and he's great, and I was talking to him about it, and he was just like, Ryan, like, I wrote high school shows for, like, years. I was, like, obsessed with teenagers. I just, like, I just kept doing high school shows and that was like my high school period. And he's like, you're allowed to do whatever you want to do for as long as you want to do it. Like mm-hmm. there, there are 40 like million different ways to tell a story, like a story that's exploring similar themes. Yeah. You're allowed to mm-hmm. explore those themes however long you want to do them. That's your right as an artist. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm an artist addicted. <laughs> um, you know, but anyway, I just like, it was very validating to hear that from like another creator that was just like, yeah. Like, you can do whatever the fuck you want. That's sweet. Yeah. Um, so we ask all of our guests as our last cue every time. Um, what is bringing you or what has brought you joy recently? Um, oh, my God. That's a really good... Okay, so my, my sanity walks are um, giving me joy because I just moved to a new neighborhood that I obviously can't really participate in. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> 
So um, what I've been doing is I've just been like going on walks around the neighborhood and exploring different kind of facets. And it's this really like, I live um, next to this really historical neighborhood called Angelino Heights that is full of like these like Victorians from like the early 1900s. And my house is actually 120 years old. LOL, I'm fucked. I can't even like change a light bulb. Um, But... (laughs) That's been really fun, kind of exploring just different parts of the neighborhood and feeling like I'm getting to know my new surroundings. Um, And uh, being in my backyard brings me joy, and my work brings me joy and stress, but mostly joy. Crypt Times is presented as a part of the Wheels on the Ground podcast network. This podcast is produced by us and supported by Tangled Art Plus Disability and Bodies in Translation. Thank you for listening to Crypt Times. We hope you have enjoyed listening to the series as much as we have enjoyed making it.